You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. So if you have your copy of scripture, will you open up to Luke chapter 1, verse 67? Will you stand with me as we stand on the solid rock of God's word? And let's hear this song together. Now, this is a beautiful, beautiful song, and we're going to highlight two important elements of this this song. We're going to highlight the history and the prophecy. And when we understand those two things, it will move us into the gospel message, the Christmas message that we all need to hear. So let's hear this song. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him, all our days and you child will be called the prophet of the most high remember he's talking to john the baptist his boy here this is not uh, spoken to jesus it's spoken to john the baptist for you will go before the lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our god whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Let's pray. Lord, we ask in this moment that we have together that you will let your light shine upon us. There are many of us in this room who have been walking a path that is not the path of light. Lord, some have never seen that light, and some have seen it and have strayed apart from that light into darkness. God, we pray today that you will bless us with the light and mercy of your love. Show us your truth and your way. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning as I was preparing this time to spend with you and to speak to you, I was reminded that there were many times in my life where, there have been many times in my life where I felt like I've kind of lost my way. I remember in high school in particular, there were a few years there where I had lost my way. Uh, my mind was, was filled with, with thoughts that it seems like many times we have as young people. I was questioning whether following the faith of my parents was the right path for me. And so I went out on a, on a little bit of a journey, as much of a journey of the mind as one can go when you're 17 and 18. It's usually a pretty short trip when you're 17 or 18, not a real long journey. But I went as far as I could go on that journey, and praise God, it was John 14, 6 that brought me home, Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through me. And I want to tell you, that was an anchor for me that I have never let go of. I feel like the rope is pretty long. I've, I've never let go of that rope, but, but I, I know that I've held on to that anchor. And as we come to our text today, I get the image here of, of a journey, of a path, 
Because really that's who John the Baptist was. He was a path maker. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. But what I want you to see that even in this song that is ostensibly about or spoken to John the Baptist, it really is all about Jesus. It is crucial for us, dear church, to always remember that. No matter where we are in the scriptures, we're always looking for the angle to Jesus. Why would we do that? Because the scriptures are all about Jesus. I want you to know the foundation of all logic, reason, and faith is Jesus. Now, I, I use those three, logic, reason, and faith, because those three things are often pitted against one another. But I believe that when we have Christ in our heart, that is when we are able to make the most sense out of the world around us. Listen, every single one of you, you're, you're living in a world and you're just trying to make sense of the stimuli around you. You're trying to understand the world in which we live and how to navigate through it. I want you to know that the best way to do that is by faith in Jesus Christ. John the Baptist helps us find the way. He is the wayfinder. If we think about this blessing song, that's what it is. It's a song of blessing. It really is a song about finding the path. In our world today, there are many people who are trying to tell you to take your own way, to take your own path. But I want to warn you, your own path is probably going to have pitfalls and problems because you are at heart a sinner. Those are not popular words to say today, but your heart is bent towards sin, and so we need something better. We need a true path, a straight way forward, and Jesus is the way. I know in this room there has to be some who have lost their way, some who have gotten off the trail at some point, and I am praying today that the story of John the Baptist will help you get back on the trail. Several years ago, I took my family out west. Uh, for many years, when the kids were little, we would take them out west and we'd go on hiking trips. They still complain about it to this day. <laughs> One of the days, we went out to the Colorado National Monument. It's out by Grand Junction, Colorado. And I'd never been there before, but that didn't stop me from going out onto the trails. And it didn't stop me from getting off the trails. And it didn't stop me from getting lost. <laughs> it was getting late in the day, and my wife was being very patient and kind with me. <clears throat> about our lostness, and, um, and you know, we found ourselves up to this really neat, we walked up this hill, we were in this really beautiful spot, and I said, oh, I just believe the Lord just wanted us to be here, and I don't think she was as convinced that that was the Lord's will. <laughs> but it wasn't too long after that that I noticed a marker, a cairn, as they call them out there, and, and I realized that there was a trail, and where there's a trail, hopefully, uh, it'll lead back home, and it did. I'm here today, so obviously, uh, we're not dry bones in the desert, okay? But nonetheless, seeing that, that way marker, that, that place to get back on the trail. Now, Christmas time with Christmas sermons, we're going to hear themes that we hear all the time. It's true at Easter as well. But I want you to realize the reason why we have these seasons and sing these familiar songs and have sermons from familiar text is because we are all prone to try to go our own way in life and we need those way markers in life. We need those, those, those monuments that bring us back and Christmas is one of those seasons. Christmas is a time where we can really come back to the focus of who Christ is. And I want you to realize that this is important for you. If you are a Christ follower, that's a wonderful thing. But many of you are not on the path that God wants you to be on. Now, there are others in this room that maybe don't know Christ. You've maybe missed him altogether. And I hope that this passage will speak to you as well and show you that there is something that is in the scriptures that is different than anything else you're going to find in the world and in the world of religion. 
In the world of religion at large, there are myths, there are philosophies, there are ideas. But when we come to the scriptures, we see this amazing uh, uh, crossroads of history and prophecy. And we need to understand that those two things are crucial for us when we come to the Christmas story. We are talking about things that have happened in real time in a real world, but we're also talking about a God who invades this world and brings us exactly what we need. I want to tell you, there is nothing I can bring you this morning that is as good as what Jesus wants to bring you. I can tell you all kinds of self-help things. I can, I can give you some of the advantage of my learning, but that's only going to get you maybe through the day. What I'd like to see happen is that God would grab a hold of your heart and get you all the way to heaven. Because we are all appointed to die, and then comes the judgment. And we believe that Jesus came to deliver us from wrath and judgment. He has come to bring us mercy. He loves you. And I believe that we need to have this clear presentation of Christ that Zechariah actually gives us as he's singing a song to his son. He gives us this beautiful picture of the Christ who is coming and the blessings that will come to the people. This is your chance, brother, sister, this morning to get back on the right path, the way that God has for you. Look at verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. I want you to know the scripture is all about the prophets, the apostles, they are preparing the way for you. These words that we hear in the scripture, they are marks, they are our waypoints in life, leading you to Christ, leading you to salvation. And we believe the history of the Bible, the prophetic messages of the Bible, all point to the moment of Jesus' coming. And I pray that today you will be able to celebrate that and be blessed by the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Let's talk for just a moment about this path of history. I know that for many, history is kind of a boring subject. Why do we want to talk about things from our past? But I want you to know that the faith we cherish is built on a solid historical foundation. I think this is important today because we do live in an age and even in a state, you know, show me, right? People want to know the facts. They want to know that you're building your argument, your case on something. And I can truly say to you, whether we're talking about biblical archaeology or the historical record, when you read the Old Testament, when you read the story of the people of God, what we're finding today is day after day with discovery after discovery, it all fits down to the letter. When you pick up this Bible, I want you to know this. This may seem uh, tangential to a sermon, but I want you to realize that every time you pick up this scripture, you're not just picking up a religious book uh, that, that tells stories that are, are wild and fanciful, but you're picking up a piece of history, verifiable. You can trust this word. I want you to know that. There have been people who were the most brilliant scholars in the world who have picked up this Bible to try to pick it apart and destroy it, but I'm here to tell you it's still standing because it's truth. You can build your life on the truth of God's word. When you go and share your faith with someone who is not a believer, you're not going out just on a wing and a prayer, but you have the historical record of what God has done in this world. And you can talk about how God has moved through his people Israel. So much of this song is 
particularly about God's moving through the people of Israel. God chose them. They were a tiny people, a tiny nation, and yet he moved through them to bring us the Messiah. God has been at work. God is still at work. Our history shows us this. And we can believe in Christ. And to believe in Jesus does not require us to disregard history or logic. We believe the Bible is accurate history. But we also believe the Bible gives us a very accurate picture of human psychology and brokenness. It really is a book that reminds us of ourselves. For instance, let me show you an example in the text. If you go back to the very beginning of chapter one there, and you look at the birth of John the Baptist foretold to Zechariah, when you look at the very first element there, an angel comes in and talks to, to Zechariah, so that's kind of more the prophetic, so God breaking into history, but, but he speaks through an angel, and notice what Zechariah does. He disagrees, or he, he questions. Verse 18, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Now, he basically hears Gabriel say, you're going to have a son, and Zechariah begins to question that. I wonder how many of us, raised in church, we've seen uh, God work all around us, and yet we still often have the audacity to question God. Zechariah makes sense to me because even though he is a leader of God's people, he's a priest, he's serving God in the most important place of worship in Israel, he's still struggling with his faith. If you are struggling with your faith this morning, join the club. The devil will sometimes get after you. He will try to hurt you. He will try to put discouragement in your heart. It's okay to be discouraged, but friend, don't stay there. It's okay to ask questions, but no, Christ will give you the answer. Every story in the Bible provides a path to Jesus. And so, in a sense, I believe biblical history is a map to Jesus. And really, the majority of this song is talking about that, celebrating this very fact that God has provided a path through history to bring us the Messiah, to bring us what we need. And he brings this song through a man who, for a moment, had his doubts. But here, in verse uh, 57, if you looked about 10 verses before we started here with uh, the blessing song of Zechariah, you see that things begin to change. As the child comes, as Zechariah sees that his son is born, he regains his voice. And the first thing he does is sing a song. Now, I want us to pause parenthetically for a moment and realize this. Even when we have failed the Lord, he will not take away your song. When you get back to that place where you are right with God, he will restore the song of your heart. I know that some of you have not had a song in a long time, but I hope you see here that sometimes our voice does seem to be taken from us. Sometimes that voice of praise goes away, but it doesn't have to stay that way. When God begins to work in your life, he will restore your song. And you don't have to have a great voice. I'm proof of that. But you have to have a song. And I believe that is what we see with Zechariah. He gets his voice back. And the Holy Spirit uses this voice to not just tell the story of Israel, but as we shall see, to give us the story of prophecy, how God is breaking in, how God is coming to save his people. What a beautiful, beautiful thing we have in the scriptures. 
we know that we have this hope. Now, let me show you a couple things here in the text that I find fascinating. Let's look here at verse 68. A couple key words there for us as we think about what it means, what, what the history of Scripture is all about. Notice in verse 68, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. I want you to see that word visited. Now, as we think about the Old Testament, we see in the Old Testament God sending prophets. And those prophets wrote letters. And those letters take place in the context of history. We see Israel surrounded by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, the Egyptians, the Hittites, and all those other ites. They're surrounded by all these nations, all of this, this animosity. Even in the text here, we see that there are enemies mentioned in verse 71. God's people had had to fight for their lives. But God continued to speak through the prophets. So I want you to think of it this way. The prophets are kind of like that friend that writes you a letter of encouragement from time to time, whether it's an email or a text. Um, in the old days, you had to actually write it out by hand in cursive, which we've lost that skill, they tell me. I don't know. But nonetheless, you would take the time to send a letter. And I don't know about you, but from time to time, when I've been discouraged or down, it's been good to get a letter. It's a wonderful thing to have a note of encouragement. Amen? But that's not what this word visited means. There's a big difference in someone sending you a letter and someone showing up to care for you. Now, I want you to realize that the story of Jesus isn't about another letter. Though we do have the Gospels and we do have the New Testament and we learn more about God in the New Testament. But the New Testament is not about just another letter. It's about Christ coming to this earth. The story of Christmas is about the ultimate visit of God to earth. How much better is it Brothers and sisters, to know that God cares for us to the point of a visit. He came and visited with us for 33 years. Now Mary's song that we dealt with last week celebrated how God was at work in her life and also in the nation. But here the song of Zechariah celebrates this visitation to all people. You are a benefactor. You are blessed by this visit. Jesus came to save not just the people of Israel, not just the people of his generation, but all the world, everybody, every ethnos, all around the world, every single person in this world can be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. He brought this gift of salvation. And I want you to know this visit was not just a vacation. How I know that is the next word here. Notice this, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Jesus came for a visit, but he didn't just come to say hi and bye. He came to stay and die. He came to die on the cross. We need to understand that the visit that God made was not to just bring us the pure word of God, which he did. He also came to bring us the salvation that comes from God to sinners. We could not know salvation if it wasn't for this visitation. If it wasn't for Jesus coming and living a perfect life, and dying on the cross, we would still owe for our sins. But he became the price. He paid the price for our sins. He visited and he redeemed. Amen? We are here today and we believe and we preach and we sing, not just because Jesus came, but because he came to save. That's the history of the Bible. 
And let me tell you, this is no mild salvation just for one culture or one worldview. I want you to notice it goes on and says this, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. That language is a little strange in English, but not in the Hebrew. The Hebrew people would have understood the horn as a picture of strength. It would be like the, the, the uh, horns of a bull, right? The strength. God's salvation, the salvation that he brings us is strong. It is a beautiful thing. God visited, God redeemed. And no matter where you are in your life, no matter how dark the day has become, the darkness of your sin, I want you to know that Jesus is strong enough to save you. That's what God's word is telling us. That from the beginning, from the time of Abraham and really before, but Abraham is mentioned there in verses 71 through 74, God has had this plan working through history. So know this, God has been working in human history to save us for eternity. That's why God came, because there is an eternal element here, and we'll talk about it here in a moment, this idea of holiness and righteousness and mercy that we get at the end of this blessing. That's what we're aiming for. But before we talk about that, let me just share a few words to you about prophecy, the path of prophecy. I've been talking so far about the path of history, and I'm doing that because I want you to realize when I stand before you, I couldn't just stand here and tell you stories and make believe, okay? Um, there's plenty of that in the world today. I want you to hear the history of God's word. I want you to know that our faith is tied to reality, but I also want you to know that every once in a while, God breaks through reality, Sometimes we're so, uh, what's the word? We, uh, we're knuckleheads. That's the word. That's what I wanted to say. We are such knuckleheads that even the facts won't seem to get to us. And so that's where I think prophecy, this, this may be the title of my new book, Prophecy is for Knuckleheads. Um, it'll be a bestseller amongst Southern Baptists. I just can see it. I'm going to be a contender here. No, we are such hard-headed people that we need sometimes like this, this, this blast from outside. And that's what prophecy is. Verse 76, this is a father speaking to his child. Listen to this. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. In a sense, Zechariah is actually the last Old Testament prophet. Some say that John the Baptist fits that mold, but I think John the Baptist is more like a bridge between the Old and New Testament, whereas Zechariah seems to be the last of the true Old Testament prophets. This is a big deal. Let me tell you why this is a big deal. It had been hundreds of years since God had broke through this prophetic channel. Now, God had been working in history. God had been preserving his people, and there was plenty of evidence that God was at work in history, but it was hundreds of years of silence when God begins to break through here in the New Testament, in the early chapters of Matthew, in the early chapters of Luke, we see that prophecy is stirred up again. And what we begin to realize here is that this beautiful story, it has to, it has to be identified and described. So that's where God breaks into history with angelic messages, where he begins to stir people like Mary and Zechariah, and we'll see Simeon and Anna and others that are stirred by the Holy Spirit. You'll notice at the beginning of our text that it says that this song comes from the Holy Spirit. Listen, 
When the Holy Spirit gets to working, we will get a message from the Lord. And he begins to work through the scriptures and bring us what we need. I don't know about you, but I think we need an invasion in our culture today. We need the Spirit to begin stirring again. We need people to realize that God's Word is something for today, that it is a life-changing reality. Prophecy is a holy invasion of God's truth into our world, and we need to pray that our world will open their eyes. And I want you to know this invasion is not to do harm, but I want you to know that Christ wants to come and invade your life to bring you peace, to bring you joy, to bring you love, to restore those things that this world robs from us. We need to hear the forgiveness of our sins. That is a powerful message. That is the message here. Notice verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. The heart of the gospel message is, though you are a sinner, Christ died for you. You have forgiveness of sins. I love Christmas. I love the Christmas nativity scene. But don't forget that beautiful scene is necessary and needful because of your dark, sinful nature. But that dark, sinful nature will not stay dark if the light shines. We believe that the prophecy of Jesus does bring that light into us, brings that light into our hearts to chase away the darkness. Oh, he has given knowledge of salvation to his people, but we need to take that message. We need to believe. I don't know what path you're on this morning, but I want you to know this. No matter which path you take to find truth and salvation, you always end up in Bethlehem. We always end up in Bethlehem. If you are seriously seeking truth, the destination will always be the manger. It will always be Bethlehem. That's what prophecy, true prophecy, will always lead us to Jesus and to the fact that he came to save us from our sins. True prophecy leads us to the manger. It will lead us to Golgotha. It leads us to the empty tomb, and it will lead us to heaven. The path from Jesus leads us to a path beyond this world, a place called heaven. So truth will take us to Bethlehem, but Jesus will take us to heaven, for he is truth. Amen? That's why we're here. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because Christmas means salvation has come. And the world needs to hear it in our singing. The world needs to hear it in our sermons. The world needs to hear it in our countenance. They they need to see it in our countenance as we communicate the love and hope and truth that is in us. And so this song ends in verses 78 through 80, telling us about the destination. And the key words here are mercy, light, and peace. Take a look here with me at these beautiful words. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. I think it's interesting, it's not a mistake, that this song, the Benedictus, is the song that comes from a loving father to his son. In a sense, that is a apt, that's an apt description of all of Scripture. It's the Heavenly Father giving a message to his sons and daughters. That's what Scripture is. It's a love letter from your Father. And that love letter is pointing out Jesus as the Savior. 
It is a song soaked in tender mercy. That word mercy there comes from uh, one of the key words in the Old Testament that deals with God's loving kindness, his deep patience for us. It's so good. Now, I want to just say this. You know, in our culture today, uh, we, we have at Christmas time, there's Santa Claus and all of that. Um, you know, here's the deal with Santa Claus. He keeps a list and he checks it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. But you know, Jesus, he'll forgive you. <laughs> uh, he doesn't keep score and keep records and, and uh, bless you according to your works. Listen, if you will come to Jesus, he will bless you with your, your faith will save you, Okay. Now, I'm not trying to pick on the, on the big guy, uh, you know, probably not going to get any Christmas presents now, oh well, whatever. Uh, but I want you to know that, that when it comes to Jesus, it's about tender mercy. And I'm trying to make light of this, and you don't seem to be caring about it one bit, but um, <laughs> the truth is, is that the gospel message, this is really good news, so just stick with me, okay? We're going to get somewhere really good here. The gospel message is not how hard you work for God. It's about how hard God worked for you. If there is a list, we're all in trouble. If there is the blood of Jesus, we can all be saved. That's what we want to get in our heads. That's what we want to communicate during this season. This is the season of gifts. Yes, but it is the season of God's gift to us. The sun has risen. He has risen indeed. And he's bringing us light in the darkness in this season of the year when the days are dark. And it hadn't helped that it's been one rain cloud after another the last couple of days. It does get hard. But I want you to know the light is shining. And that's the message of the Benedictus is that God's mercy, his rich mercy, his countenance continues. The fog and the darkness and the doubt that you have experienced, it's real. I know it's real. It's not an illusion. This world is filled with pain. Pain is not an illusion. It is a reality. But the only way to defeat that reality is with the power of the cross. We're not denying pain, but we are looking to the one who has overcome it. He shines light on the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Oh, I want you to know the only blessing, the only benedictus that will last beyond the grave is the blessing you will receive in Christ. Some of you have known that blessing, but you have strayed from that path. Some of you know that it's been a long time since you and Jesus have had that close relationship, that father-son, father-daughter relationship that you need. It is time to let the light shine to let these words become your words. Receive the tender mercy of your God. Let the sunrise visit you from on high. Let those of you who are in darkness find the light, and may you no longer be in the shadow of death. Jesus died on the cross. When you are in the shadow of the cross, the shadow of death can no longer darken your soul. It is time for us to believe in the power of the gospel and to believe in the power of the light of Jesus to chase away the darkness. We have to stop living in the darkness and let the light shine. Isaiah 43 is what I want to end with. It's the verse that uh, most clearly connects with the coming of John the Baptist. It speaks of a voice crying in the wilderness. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What is the blessing of Zechariah's song? It is this. You are not alone. You do not have to remain lost in the wilderness. Jesus is the way. 
If you will come to Jesus this morning, he will save you from your sins. But some of you have gotten off the path. And my prayer is that this Christmas, sermons like this, passages like this, will be those cairns that get you back. Get you back on the path that God wants you to be on so that you can be blessed, blessed in serving, blessed in being a difference maker, helping share the message of Jesus. The world is clinging on to so many things that are materialistic and they end in the grave. We want people to cling to Christ who remains forever. Be blessed so that you can share the blessing. Amen. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.